Well, praise the Lord, everybody. I am Apostle Rosemary Duncanson of Mending the Broken Restoration Center, and I am so delighted to share with you a few words today on this Good Friday morning. But before we do so, let us look to the Lord with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, Lord Jesus, we thank you in knowing that you love us so much that your blood today has made us clean. We thank you for the cross, for without the shedding of your blood, there is no remission of sin. Father, today I come to you. I come, O oh God, on the behalf of our nation. Lord, we pray for those that have the authority over us. Lord, help us to be the watchmen whom you have called to stay on the wall. We pray for our ministers of the gospel today, the evangelists. We pray for the prophets and the apostles. Lord, we lift them up today. We lift up, O oh God, our governmental system. We pray, O oh God, that you will continue, Lord, to give them the wisdom to lead. Lord, we take not for granted your grace and your mercy. We ask that you continue to bless us, and we pray for your guidance and your protection. We bind the forces of darkness, and we speak defeat to its kingdom, and we give you praise in knowing that it is done in Jesus' name. Amen. Prophesy. Who'll hit you next? Stop it. Stop it, I said. Bring him before the council. Move. Tell us, are you the Messiah? If I tell you, you will not believe me. And if I ask you a question, you will not answer me. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right side of Almighty God. Are you then the Son of God? You say that I am. We ourselves have heard what he said. We will take him to Pilate. Today's scripture reading comes to you from Luke chapter 23 and verse 34. Then said, Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. Jesus, who was indeed the Son of God, had came to a place called Golgotha. 
being placed with a crown of thorns upon his head and placed between a thief and a murderer after being despised and rejected of man that gambled his clothes, casting lots upon him. Hear the cries of evil men saying, crucify him, mocking and making fun of him, denying that he was the Christ. After enduring much criticism, hardship and pain from his many accusers, made declaration. King of the Jews, can you see the temple from there? <laughs> Father, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. Oh, I'm so glad that God is not like man. We can see that his many enemies and all that did not believe. Those that mocked him and cried crucify him including his own his own familiarities what shall i do then with jesus who is called the christ crucify you john chapter 1 and 11 let us know that he came unto his own and his own received him not despite their unbelief and ignorance Despite the pain and the torture, the crown of thorns being placed upon his head, not to mention the emotional and physical abuse he had to encounter. Can you really imagine being placed between a thief and a murderer saying to our Lord and Savior, thou be the Christ, come down from the cross and save us? Aren't you the Messiah? Why don't you save yourself and us? Our punishment is just, but this man has done nothing wrong. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Truly, I say to you, today, you will be with me in paradise. Those of you that are listening under the sound of my voice today, what a loving Savior, what a passionate God. Oh, God, what a loving, kind, gentle Savior, one that after going through all that he had to endure, could have made such declaration for you and for me saying, Father, forgive them. See, he understood. He knew their thoughts even when they didn't know them for themselves. He knew us. He knew us even before we came from our, out of our mother's womb. He knew that somehow we were going to become judgmental. He knew that there's some things about us was not going to be right. Aren't you so glad that he looked beyond all of our falls? He knew that there will come a time that when we will really come to our sense and realize that, hey, there is a God 
For the Bible says the fool has said in their heart that there is no God. Today, I want to bring you in remembrance of the cross. The cross that will always make the difference. Let this day and every other day be a reminder to you that this same Jesus that was mocked, this same Jesus that was crucified, lost, spent upon, this same Jesus, he loves us even when we don't love ourselves. And he was willing to say, Father, forgive Mary, forgive Susan, forgive John, Jesse, whosoever they may be, forgive them, for they know not what they have done. What a love, a loving Savior. I just want to say, I thank God for the time when I give my life to him. And those of you that are out there that is listening to this short little voice note, won't you stop and listen and think about the cross? The cross will make a difference if you will let it. Art thou the king of the Jews? Sayest thou this thing of thyself? Or did others tell it thee of me? Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my people fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. Art thou a king then? Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. God bless you, and I love you. Never forget these words, what our Lord and Savior had said. He forgive us when we was unforgivable. He love us when we were unloving. May God continue to bless you and keep you strong. Always remember, Jesus is Lord.
strength. Declare it all over the room. Strength One of the many factors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. My brothers and sisters all across the islands, wherever you are listening in this morning, we give God praise and thanks for this wonderful day that the Christian church recognizes our Lord Jesus Christ, who sacrificed himself, gave up his life so that we can have life and have it more abundantly. The Bible says, he who knew no sin became sin for us. And we are so grateful 
for what Jesus did when he gave his life for all of us. Whether you are a Christian or non-Christian, he died that we all might be saved. For John 3.16 sums it all up. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Bow with me in prayer, Heavenly Father, Lord God. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for sacrificing your life so that we can have life and have it more abundantly. Thank you for everything that you did, the pain and the, the scorn and everything that you had to go through to pay the price for sin. We honor you, Lord, we lift you up. We bless your name this morning. Speak to us one more time, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Continuing with our reading from Luke's Gospel, chapter 23 and the 40th verse. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? Jesus, keep me near the cross. With a precious Be my God. 
Continue with our reading. And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And that is the 41st verse of Luke chapter 23.
Yes, my brothers and sisters, I just want to welcome all of you to this program this morning. This is Pastor George Fulford coming from the New Testament Church of God here in South Caicos. I do pray and trust that wherever you are this morning listening to this broadcast, that you will be blessed. And somehow, as you reflect on our Lord Jesus Christ, those last hours before he went to the cross, and even when he was on the cross, I pray that today will be a day of gratitude and thankfulness as you give him praise and thanks for all and for everything that he has done. I wish to draw your attention to the 42nd verse of Luke chapter 23. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. I wish to use as a subject this morning, faith changed the destiny of a dying thief. Faith changed the destiny of a dying thief. Father God, in Jesus' name, glorify your name this morning. I bless you. I give you the praise, the glory, and the honor for all and everything that you are doing and that you will do, God, so that we may enjoy, God, all that you have destined for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Faith changed the destiny of a dying thief. The Bible says, And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shall thou be with me in paradise. It is an interesting thought as to the reason why the Roman authorities placed Jesus between what the Bible identified as two thieves. The prophet Isaiah centuries back prophesied of our Lord being numbered with the transgressors. Did the Roman officials know that they were fulfilling Scripture? Believe me, folks, 
This was the hour for the devil to carry out his will, but it was limited to the will of the Father. Notice very carefully the nature of the conversation between the two thieves. From one we see the thoughts of an atheist or an agnostic. If you be Christ, save yourself and us. This was a kind of mockery, for he had no knowledge of God reconciling the world through Jesus the Christ. He was spiritually blind and had no remorse for his wrong and didn't care. He had already chosen his destiny. The thief on the other side was a backslider, in my opinion. He knew Jesus and he knew the word. By virtue of his faith in Jesus, he rebuked the other thief and shamed him for his accusations. He was knowledgeable about the kingdom of God. Notice carefully his words. He believed that Jesus was the king of the kingdom, prophesied by the prophets. This thief is the only man in the Bible to receive the direct words from the lips of Jesus of assurance before dying. Verily, verily, I say unto you, today, today, today shall thou be with me in paradise. The greatest comforting words to a man waiting for his death sentence. The hymn writer looking through the eyes of faith penned these words. The dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day. And there may I, though vile as he, wash all my sins away. Abraham, a man of faith, communicated with God. Jacob, the father of the Israelites. King David was a man after God's own heart. They all died in faith, but didn't receive these comforting words spoken to the dying thief. Yes, they all went to heaven. They went to be with the Lord. But I'm looking at how wonderful it was, how privileged it was for this dying thief to hear these words. Let me say that these words brought hope to the thief. These words spoken by Jesus are still bringing hope to those who die in the Lord. There is no doubt about where you are going when you believe with the faith of the thief. I draw your attention again to the text. The Bible says, Today shall thou be with me in paradise. No, it was not in the grave. It was Abraham's bosom, which was synonymous with paradise a place where the, the departed spirits went temporarily until the work of redemption was wrought. Jesus had to go there after he died to fulfill Scripture. For the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, 20, But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. Matthew chapter 27 and verse 51 tells us, And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose, and came out of the graves after his resurrection, and went into the holy city, and went into the holy city, and appeared unto many. Glory be to God. The thief said to Jesus, Remember me 
when you come into your kingdom. But Jesus told him, we will meet in paradise today. Yes, my brothers and sisters, the thief had knowledge of a future kingdom. When Jesus, our Lord, shall reign over this earth, unlike Zebedee's wife, who came seeking for a position for her two sons in his kingdom, our Lord told Pilate, the governor, my kingdom is not of this world. The kingdom therefore embodies all those who through faith have surrendered to the Lord God. Therefore, those in paradise at the time would share in the future kingdom. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 20 tells us, But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. Yes, the dying thief was despised, scorned, and condemned, but faith changed his destiny. Ah, thank you, Lord. What a glorious opportunity for a man that is dying, not knowing exactly what will befall him. Uh, thank you, Lord. They tell us that the Romans, what they did was to break the legs of the criminals to speed up death. But glory be to God. The dying thief, he made it in. He surrendered to the Lord in faith. He called on Jesus. How many people listening this morning, they are at the point of death. They are sick and afflicted, but they refuse to call on God. I say to you this morning, Jesus died that you might be forgiven of your sins. He died. He sacrificed his life so that you can be saved and you don't have to worry about whether you're going to make it in. He said to the, uh, the thief on the cross, today shall thou be with me in paradise because of the faith that this thief had in him. I say to you this morning, faith in God will make a difference for the Bible declares without faith it is impossible to please God. Uh, thank you Lord. And this thief recognized if I could only put faith in him, I know it's going to be all right. And he surrendered all to the to the Lord Jesus Christ, when he said, Lord, remember me, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, hallelujah, anytime faith is exercised, anytime faith comes alive, that's God's language. And Jesus responded right away, today shall thou be with me in paradise. What about some of you listening here this morning? You're going about life just as if it is it belongs to you, unconcerned about your destiny, unconcerned about what Jesus has done. I say to you this morning, you need God. One of these days, you're going to have to answer to the call of God that is on your life. Many of you listening even this morning, you should have been further ahead in God, but you turn your back on Him. Uh, some of you were under convictions, but you rejected the message of salvation. You don't have time for God. But one of these days, you're going to have to stand before the Almighty God. Yes, my brothers and sisters, the thief, he made it in. He surrendered to the Lord. Oh, he may have been despised. He may have been looked down and somehow committed to death. 
Glory be to God, but he found Jesus Christ. How many of you listening in this morning? Yes, you have done wrong. You have been uh, uh, involved in so many things uh, that today you are ashamed. You're afraid to even put foot in the church. I say, okay, that's okay. The most important thing is to make it right with God, is to surrender your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Young man, when are you going to give up? Daddy, when are you going to give up? and let Jesus take over. Mother, I challenge you this morning, you need to take a stand for God and somehow allow those children to see the Lord Jesus Christ in your life before trouble begins to come your way. I plead with you this morning, let God have his way in your life this morning. Father God, in Jesus' name, have your way this morning. Speak, Lord. Save the unsaved. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for paying the price for our sins so that we can have right to the tree of life. We can spend eternity with you. Speak this morning, Lord. Save, deliver, and set free. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Ladies and gentlemen, I plead with you this morning on this day that we set aside as being Good Friday in celebration and thankfulness and in gratitude for our Lord Jesus Christ sacrificing his life for us all. Does it mean anything to you that Jesus should die? Does it mean anything to you that someone died in your place? I plead with you this morning. Give God a chance in your life. Oh, he loves you in spite of all that you have done wrong. He loves you the same as he loves anyone else. And I entreat you, turn over to him. And then somehow if I could pray with you, give me a call at 649-231-2402. This is the day that God wants to do something in your life. Why don't you change your direction? Let God have his way in your life. He wants to do it. If you would just open the door of your heart, open your life and say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I am sorry about the things I have done. And right now I open my life. I open the door of my heart. Come in and save me, save me and deliver me in Jesus name. Amen and amen. It's the Ship on Zion is the
son, son, behold thy mother. I am Norma Forbes, associate pastor from the Church of God of Prophecy, Kongba, Middle Caicos. Greetings, my fellow brothers and sisters across the land and breadth of the Turks and Caicos Islands and across the world by ways of Radio Turks and Caicos. It's indeed a great privilege to come before you in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, our soon coming King, the maker who is ahead of my life. Our God who reign in heaven and earth, I come before you with a grateful heart, thanking you for this very moment, thanking you for allowing your son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. I give you glory, honor, and praise to his dear wonderful name. Father, your name is above all name, above all powers, above all kingdoms, above all. You took the time and you taught of us above all. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Scripture lesson, John 19 and 26. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciples whom he loved, Standing beside her, he said to his mother, Woman, here is your son. Then he said to the disciple, Here is your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. Woman, behold thy son. Son, behold thy mother. As I meditate on the saying from the cross, Woman, behold thy son. Son, behold thy mother. As I was growing up every Good Friday, my father, along with the deacons from the Bethlehem Baptist Church, they would meditate on the seven sayings from the cross. And as I grew up, I became a woman and a mother and watched them more and more to understand while they were trying to meditate on those words from the cross. I came to realize that the words from the cross means we will affirm deep truths about our faith, our savior, our salvation. God's kingdom in Matthew and Mark, Jesus cries out to God. In Luke, he forgives his killers, reassures the penitent thief, and commands his spirit to the Father. In John, he speaks to his mother, says, he thirsts. 
and declares the end of his earthly life. As I speak on woman, behold thy son, son, behold thy mother. Can we find any woman or mother who would give their only son to be put to death? No, not one. We see where Mary was in agony and grief. Through this unfathomable experience of watching her first and divinely born son go through torture and torment at the hands of the angry Jewish soldiers. That of one's own child is the most painful loss that a human can face. That is a terrible enemy, and it warns all of us in one way or another. No one would ever want to watch their loved ones go through Jesus' experience. It is possible to survive such wounds. As we consider Mary's life from the start of Jesus' ministry to the time of his death and just beyond, it was fate that helped Mary to survive the swords of grief. She trusted that this was God's will. But presently, it is hard to understand if it is God's will for a mother to watch a child suffer and die. From the standpoint, the departure of the eldest would not be easy on the family. Mary already bore a heavy heart. Behold, the Lord God comes with might and his arms rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him, Isaiah 49 to 10. To behold means to look at the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. So look at your God, look at his might and look at his reward. Mary labored to give Jesus life. Now he bled to give her life. As she experienced the intense suffering of labor to bring joy, so Jesus experienced ultimate suffering that Mary would have ultimate joy. His suffering was not only for Mary. The promised son bore the sins of the world and suffered so we would live. He bled and died so we would not. He looked into the cup of the Father's wrath and drank it all. So we would receive the cup of grace. In his darkest hour, he met the needs of others, the thief hanging beside him and his own mother. While Jesus was paying the penalty of sin for all mankind, he tenderly provided for his mother at the same time. Jesus' body was broken. Mary's soul was broken. But it did not end there. Grief gave away to exceeding joy, for he arose just as he said. Jesus in his love and concern for his mother. He knew that he would no longer be physically present to care for her. So he entrusted her care to John, saying, Woman, behold your son, and son, behold your mother. Mary is often seen as a symbol of the church. And John was a symbol of believers. By entrusting Mary to John, Jesus is in indicating that the church should care for one another, especially those in need, not just physical needs, but also emotional and spiritual needs. The statement, woman behold your son, son behold your mother, has many layers of meanings. It reminds us of the importance of caring for one another, the importance of our relationship with one another, 
As we seek to follow Christ and live all his teachings, we must strive to embody these principles in our own lives and the life of the church. Woman, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. The statement was made by Jesus Christ on the cross. As Jesus foresaw in scripture, Matthew 24, 9, whether we are in end times or not, we certainly are in days when wickedness is multiplied and most love has grown cold. Woman, behold your son. These words drip with tender emotion as that approaches. Jesus has the presence of mind and the depth of heart to consider the welfare of his earthly mother. In Exodus 20 and 12, it says, Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Honoring our parents is a lifelong responsibility. In the New Testament, it says, Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, that you may enjoy long on the earth. Ephesians 6, 1-13. Proverbs 23 and 22 says, Listen to your father who gave you life, and do not despise your mother when she is old. These wise words from the scripture still applies to us today. Can a woman tend the care, seize the words the child she bears? Yes, she may forgetful be, yet will I remember thee. We must have love for our family. First, we must love our parents, no matter what. Sometimes parents misunderstood us or disapprove of our decisions we make. Sometimes they can hurt us grievously. Jesus, too, had felt the heart of misunderstanding from his family, even his mother. I believe his family didn't understand him nor believe in him. Even his own brothers did not believe in him. John 7 and 5, But whether they understood or not or even approved of us, whether we can even trust them at this point in our lives, we are, to, we are told to honor your father and your mother. Christ's powered love can help heal the hurts from our families. Our obedience to Christ must become primary and obedience to parents must become secondary. 1 Timothy 5 and 8 tells us, if anyone does not provide for his relative and especially for his immediate family, from the cross, Jesus honored his mother by making arrangement for her care. Jesus' death is a common criminal death of shame, humiliation, and suffering. What a sense of helplessness she must have felt. She must have felt. Every mother cares for their children when they fall and get hurt. They kiss the pain away, wipe away the blood, and hold the child until the tears disappear. As she sees Jesus hanging on the cross with blood dripping down his forehead and back, her heart goes out to him, but she can do absolutely nothing. First, the gospel writer offers us the example of Jesus' mother, Mary. 
who is rightly depicted as a woman who bore much she could not understand and who stood fast. With Jesus as he suffered for the sake of love, she stands near the cross when almost all of the other disciples of Jesus flee from fear. The prophecy of Simon that a sword would pierce her tender heart is fulfilled. And yet Mary remains at the foot of the cross of her son. She bears his suffering with him. She continues to follow him with the infliction hope that grows only from unconditional love. We are also given the example of the beloved disciple to whom Christ unites his own mother, creating a new family of faith in a tender moment that sits at odd with the pressing crowds, the jeering voices, and the sneering soldiers. Jesus sees and provides for his mother and for his friends. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing beside her, he said to his mother, Woman, here is your son. Then he said to the disciple, Here is your mother. And from that hour, the disciples took her into his own home with these simple words. The Christian family is born sharing together the love and suffering at the heart of the cross, of Christ and the hope of the resurrection. Mary and the beloved disciples are, in a sense, the, Christ, the, the first Christians. As they together take up the cross and call of Christ and begin to bear one another burdens for the sake of the gospel, Galatians 6 and 2. In this profoundly good moment of Good Friday, we get a glimpse of the communion in which we have been joined as the body of Christ. In this moment, Mary becomes not only an example for us of motherly love, but more importantly, she shows us how to follow her son, Jesus. We learn about the love of a true disciple, the kind of love that is rooted at the foot of the cross in hope that grows from the deep and unconditional love of Jesus Christ. And we learn that we are not alone when we suffer. We are united to our suffering Savior and to our family and the body of Christ. We learn together to imitate Mary's tender, powerful love for our Lord as we receive the call to embrace others who suffer. We learn something of this fierce hope in the resurrection when we allow our brothers and sisters to bear our own burdens with us and when we gladly shoulder the burdens others bear. The sorrows and wounds they cannot and should not have to bear alone. At their core, these short verses of scripture offer us a portrait of the church, and they call us to imitate these good things in our own life. Along with his mother, his disciples, and fleshy brothers, he went to a wedding feast at Canaan, where he performed the miracle turning water into wine. Because of this, his disciple and mother put their faith in him. Mary looked at him, not just her son, but as her Lord and Savior. John 2, 1-12 We as parents today can learn much from Mary's faith. You may not be raising a child quite like Jesus, but the transition Mary present, may present challenges and a parent might tend to continue treating a son or a daughter as a young child. 
though such treatment may no longer be appropriate. Mary had to let him go and trust that her son had his own purpose to fulfill. Just like any other parent would desire, Mary hoped her son would live longer and experience a life, both divine and human, with her. Yes, as parents, we would love our children to live a long life. But by living a long life, we have to obey. We have to honor them and respect them. At 33 years, a man has developed and assuming adulthood roles. Their departures leave a gap among family. Nevertheless, Jesus' death was to set us free from sin. We thank God for his son, Jesus. We thank him for his loving kindness and his tender mercies towards us. Because without him, we can do nothing. Without him, we would fail. Though we taste the bitterness of disease, death, and distance, Jesus is going to one day remove all of these effects of sin. One day, we will be sin set free. On this Good Friday, may our hearts find rest in Christ and his finished work. And may his words to Mary and John teach us how to find a place in God's family. Oh yes, this morning I am so glad that I am a part of the family of God. I thank him this morning for all of his eternity. I thank him because he has given me life and breath. We will be with him. And all of those who love the appearing of the Son of God, one day we will see our blessed Savior. And may the blessings of God be with you throughout this Easter season. Amen. Good morning. Good morning, my brothers and sisters in the Lord, especially to those of you residing in North and Middle Caicos. Good morning to the listeners of Radio Turks and Caicos. This is Pastor Reverend Ronald Gardner of the Church of God of Prophecy, Bottle Creek, North Caicos. Special thanks to Radio Turks and Caicos for affording us this opportunity to share the Word of God on this Good Friday. I'll be sharing on the fourth saying from the cross, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? 
Let us pray. Dear loving Father in heaven, in the name of our Lord Jesus, thank you for giving me this chance to speak your word to the nation, the Turks and Caicos, and by extension through the radio waves, the world. I thank you for this privilege. I pray that let every word that comes out of my mouth proceed with power that comes from you. I pray that may the Holy Spirit guide me on what to speak. I honor and praise you. Thank you for hearing and answering my prayer. Through Jesus' name, our Lord. Amen. Matthew chapter 27 and verse 46. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This also is recorded in Mark 15 and 34. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It's like, my God, my God, I cannot believe this. These words seem very much like the cry of a toddler who had been wrested from their parents' arm. This is not the cry of a lonely person, but an abandoned one. Loneliness can be many things, but it's most certainly the awareness of an absent but real support system. A lonely person knows that their friends and their family or whomsoever constitute the emotional safety net may not be physically with them, but they do exist somewhere and that somewhere in the future, they are likely to see them again. Taking you back to those moments, Jesus now has been suspended up in the air, fixed on the cross with his nails in his hands for approximately six hours. He's been struggling to adjust himself to ease and cope with the pain. Moving to the right, the pain on the left. Moving to the left with the pain on the right. Despite what he is going through in these precious moments, he was still able to give the thief on the cross the promise of eternal life. Not only is Jesus of Nazareth alone in the world, but he has been abducted by authorities, deserted by unreliable friends, and has spikes through his wrists and feet. His head is crowned with a wreath of thorns, causing blood to trickle down his face. His pain is level 12 on a scale of 1 to 10, and he's close to suffocation. More horrifying is that the one who put him in this situation or allow it to happen is his own father. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
why have you abandoned me? You of all those I might have suspected of desertion. I never thought that you would leave me like this. It's a situation similar to the parent who in a fit of anger hides the child in a closet. Can you imagine the anxiety, even terror of such a situation for a child? Mom, mom, why are you doing this? Where are you? Let me out. Let me out. If the mother has always typically been kind, loving, and understanding, then there's an enormous disconnect for this child. The child is now in a dark, confining closet. It's unbelieving. It's like, who are you? And what have you done to my mother? The MacArthur New Testament commentary says this concerning this verse. Because Jesus was quoting the well-known Psalm 22, there could have been little doubt in his mind of those who were standing there as to what Jesus was saying. They had been taunting him with his claim to be God's son. Verse 43. An appeal for divine help would have been expected. They're saying this man is calling for Elijah was not speculation about what he said, but simply an extension of their cruelty mockery. In this unique and strange miracle, Jesus was crying out in anguish because of the separation he now experienced from his heavenly father for the first time and only time in all of eternity. It's the only time of which we have record that Jesus did not address God as Father. Because the Son had taken sin upon himself, the Father turned his back. That mystery is so great that it's not surprising that Martin Luther said to have gone into seclusion for a long time, trying to understand, and he came away as confused as when he began. In some way, and by some means, in the secret of the divine sovereignty, the God-man was separated from God for a brief time at Calvary. As furious as wrath of the Father was poured out on the sinless one. Habakkuk declared of, declared of God, Thine eyes are too pure, to approve evil. Thou canst not look on evil with favor. Habakkuk 1 and 13. God turned his back when Jesus was on the cross because he could not look upon sin, even or perhaps especially in his own son. Just as Jesus loudly lamented, God the Father had indeed forsaken him. Jesus did not die as a martyr to a religious cause or simply as an innocent man wrongly accused and condemned nor as some suggest as he died as a gesture the father could have looked favorably on such selfish deaths as those 
But because Jesus died as a substitute sacrifice for the sins of the world, the righteous Heavenly Father had to judge him fully according to the sin. The Father forsook the Son because the Son took upon himself our transgressions, our iniquities, Isaiah 53 and 5. Jesus was delivered up because of our transgressions, Romans 4 and 25. And he died for our sins according to the scriptures. He came who knew no sin on our behalf and became a curse for us, Galatians 3 and 13. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. He died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust. Amen. Jesus Christ not only bore man's sin, but actually came, became sin on man's behalf in order that those who believe in him might be saved from the penalty of sin. Jesus came to teach man perfectly about God and to be a perfect example of God's holiness and righteousness. But as he himself declared the supreme reason for his coming to earth was not to teach or to be an example, but to give his life as ransom for many, Matthew 20 and 28. Feel left alone? Other believers have felt the same way. Pursue the writings of Oswald Chambers, Charles Spurgeon, D. Martin Lloyd-Jones, and you will discover they knew well the agony Jesus experienced. Spurgeon wrote this, in his comments about Psalms 86 and 6. He who now feebly expounds these words knows within himself more than he would care or dare to tell of those abysses of inward anguish. He has sailed around the Cape of Storms and has drifted along by the dairy headlands of despair. After C.S. Lewis lost his wife to cancer, he called out to God for comfort, but sensed no reply. Confused, he asked, what can this mean? Why is he so present, a commander in a time of prosperity, and so very absent, a help in the time of trouble? Suffering is bad enough. But when one suffers alone, it's worse. When one suffers in the apparent absence of God to deliver us, and when, as in the case of the ancient patriarch Job, that same God appears to be the one who inflicted the suffering, then one really feels defeated. One that either gives up, or it was an illusion, or hedges their backs. Jesus did both. Shortly before dying, he said, It is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. John 19 
and Turkey. But he also said, crying with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I command my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last breath. Luke 23 and 46. Listeners, he did it for me. He did it for the whosoever will. That's why I love the hymn, The Old Rugged Cross, the element of suffering and shame. I love the old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. But thus on that old cross, Jesus suffered and died to pardon and sanctify me. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. The Psalms also recorded several distressed cries for God to act. Psalms chapter 6, verse 2 to 3. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am pining away. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are dismayed, and my soul is greatly dismayed. But you, O Lord, how long? Psalms chapter 77, verse 7 and 9. Will the Lord reject forever? Will he never be favorable again? Has his loving kindness ceased forever? Has his promise come to an end forever? Has God forgotten to be gracious or is he anger? Or has he in anger withdrawn his compassion? Verse 1, Psalms 83. O God, do not remain quiet. Do not be silent, O God, do not be still. It's very difficult to remain a believer in the face of horrifying adversity, especially when the terror is inflicted by the very God whose existence you have stoutly defended. A key passage over in 1 Peter will help you to appreciate that times of distress are common and are for the good of God's children. Amid the rich details of God's glorious grace resides an affirmation that those who rejoice in their salvation would also experience distress. Plus one six four nine two three two five six four one. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance in which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith, for a salvation ready to be real in the last time. 
In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's First Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 7. Faith in knowing that sorrowful times, even periods of feeling God has withdrawn his presence, are an integral part of your spiritual experience. God hasn't utterly abandoned you, though you feel he has. Other believers have successfully traveled the dark path you walk and completed their journey. Peter acknowledged that trials produce grief in believers, and grief is a common experience. He also touches on two further principles that will help you understand and patiently endure your trouble. Yours is a temporary experience. Feeling distressed by trials such as sensing the absence of God's presence would crush a weakened believer if it had no end. And so Peter adds that the distress is only for a little while. Your trouble is temporary. God will not leave you in distress forever. It will cease, maybe not as soon as you like, but it will come to an end. Once the trial has served its purpose, you will benefit from its results and regain the joy of your Heavenly Father warm embrace. Whatever we may speculate about what the psalmist was experiencing in Psalms 22 or what Jesus was thinking when he died on the cross. We know that Good Friday is not the end of the story. Praise the Lord. God did not abandon Jesus to which the empty tomb of Easter morning testifies. Yours is a purpose experience. Peter, anticipate your next question. Why does a believer have to experience grief-producing trial? He replies, these have come so that your faith may be proved genuine. As one of God's children, you are promised his presence, though for now you feel alone and without help. Rest in knowing God your Father has good reasons for bringing you into trial. He's committed to making you holy, even if it means taking away your happiness for a time. You will derive benefit from your trial, not by ignoring it, of feeding on its weight, but by understanding its purpose. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me? He's feeling separation, but whether it's the outburst in the garden or the inward groaning as he hung suspended between earth and the sky, it bore out of a sense of separation. Now let me hasten to add that this is not a lapse of faith. This is not broken confidence. 
this is a cry of disorientation because Jesus Christ was used to God's familiar protective presence. He was used to the fact that the Father was there. Now all of a sudden, the Father's presence on the cross is withdrawn. And in disorientation, he cries out as the enemy closes in. And the eternally sinless one bears all the sins of all of history. Revelation 5 and 9. The Lamb of God is sufficiently powerful to save the world. Jesus, God's one and only Son, died to purchase with his blood persons from every tribe, language, people, and nation. Without the atoning sacrifice of Jesus, we would be without hope, without forgiveness. Isaiah chapter 64 and 6 teaches us that even our righteousness acts are like filthy rags. Even on our best days, our best intentions, without the blood of Jesus, we would have deserved death as the punishment for sin. He was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Isaiah 55 and 6. We did nothing to earn our forgiveness and everything to deserve punishment. But in God's great love for us, he sent his son and took our punishment upon him. We are covered by his blood. Praise the Lord. Through his sacrificial death, our sins are paid for. And we no longer have to die in eternal death. We receive eternal life through Jesus Christ. Those of you that need to surrender your life to Jesus, please pray with me. Loving Father, the blood of Jesus is sufficient to set me free from sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I praise and glorify you for your great love for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, the message is that because Christ, he took it, he did it for us. Amen, amen, amen. Good morning, listeners. This is Pastor Vernon Malcolm from the Acres of Calvary Church with this 
devotional this morning celebrating Passover 2023. I give God thanks and praise for this opportunity to fellowship with you this morning by means of radio. May he saturate the airways with his anointing, touching hearts and lives and turning men, women, boys, and girls unto him this day. Praise the name of the Lord. Let us look to the Lord in prayer. Gracious God, our Father, Lord, we thank you for this another beautiful day you've given unto us. We thank you, Lord, for watching over us and keeping us and bringing us to this time where we are able to celebrate and commemorate, Father God, the death of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, may your will be done in us in all things this day. May the words of my mouth, the meditations of all our hearts, be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen, amen, and amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Listeners, I've been asked to speak on the fifth word from the cross where our Lord declares, I thirst. In the Gospel of St. John, chapter 19 and verse 28, it reads, After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now, as we look here at this word, certainly we can take it as physical thirst that our Lord was referring to, or we can look at it from a spiritual standpoint as well. And I feel that the spiritual application is much more important for us today than that of the physical. We find that everything that had been foretold about our, our Lord's earthly life, it had been accomplished. And he knew that his time had come now to return to the Father. And, and so we see him here declaring that he thirsted. In Psalm 69 and verse 21, Psalm 69 and verse 21, the psalmist tells us here, <clears throat> or, or let us back up to verse 20, it says, Reproach hath broken my heart, and I am full of heaviness, and I looked for some to take pity, but there was none, and for comforters, but I found none. They gave me also gall for my meat, and for my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. And this, this verse is being fulfilled here in this, in, in this verse that we have read in John chapter 19 and verse 28. 
And our Lord declares that he thirsts, and the word says that now there was set aside a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon hyssop and put it to his mouth. And when he therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. And as I said, listeners, that everything that had been foretold about the earthly life of our Lord Jesus had been accomplished. And another psalmist, Psalm 42, also that I'd like for us to to consider in this uh, meditation this morning, Psalm 42, we find here that the psalmist speaks about the heart panting after the water. As the heart panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. And he says, my soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? And listen, we must remember that our Lord was with the Father from the beginning. And during his earthly life, we find that even though he communicated with the Father through prayer every day, he missed that separation or he, 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 he missed the oneness with his father uh, being there. And, and so this was a thirst for him as well. Not just the physical thirst, but the spiritual thirst. A thirst to, to be back where it is that he once dwelt. To be back in the position where he was at the father's right hand. He longed for this. And the, 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 this is a prayer that our Lord is offering here on the cross as well. I thirst. And he, he is praying out to God. You know, we, we feel that as the psalmist felt that, you know, as the, the heart panteth after the water broke, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. And so our hearts, you know, need first to be right with God. They must be pure and they must be true in his sight. And this is what it is that our Lord felt. He knew that he had accomplished the Father's will. He, and so he comes before the Father. His heart was right before God. It, it, we find, of course, that his heart was pure and true in the sight of the Father. And so he could call on the Lord out of a pure heart. He can pray unto God out of a pure heart. And we see here in Psalm 42 that it is an individual lament with a strong emphasis 
on trust. He trusted God. He, he knew that he was about to give up the ghost and he trusted God. He trusted God with all that he had and all that he, he, he truly was. He had to trust God if he were to be raised out of that tomb three days later. And so we see him here with his emphasis on trust as he, as he hung there on the cross. The verb to pant, you know, this is usually expressive of, of a spiritual thirst for God. This is what, what it is that the psalmist is revealing here unto us. And this is what it is that our Lord was displaying there on the cross, a spiritual thirst for God, for what it is that he knew that only God could satisfy. As the, the verse tells us there in Psalm 69, verse 20, he says he looked for his comforters, but there, there were none. He looked for those that he could turn to, but there, they, they had fled. And so all of his earthly friends or the ones that were close to him, they could not be found. They could not be reached at this time when it is that he needed them most. And so we, we see our Lord with this spiritual thirst for God that he would come and that he would satisfy the need of his heart. The psalmist here describes, you know, being cut off from God, cut off from the worshiping community of, of God's people. You know, the, the, the very ones who were supposed to have accepted and, and receive him and present him to the people and to the world, they were the very ones who were crying out for his crucifixion the spiritual leaders. And so just as the, the psalmist here is crying out that he, he, he was being cut off from worship, the worshiping community that was there, so was our Lord Jesus Christ. He felt distant from God's presence among his people among the very people of God, the ones whom God had chosen, our Lord felt a distant relationship, you might say, from God's presence among his people. And he longed for intimacy with God. He was thirsting for intimacy with God. And this is what it is that he, he is crying out for here on the cross because he wanted that intimacy that only God could satisfy in his life. And no doubt he, he knew that, you know, only death, only death could bring him to that place. And, and so realizing that, you know, everything had been accomplished. He said, I thirst. I thirst for God. I, I need God. I need to, to get back in his presence 
being with, by his side. And what a prayer. What a prayer that he is, he is offering here to be an example for us as well. How often do you feel this deep sense of need to, to be in the presence of God? To just bask in his presence, to know him in a, in a more intimate way than we, we have known him before. This is what it is that he is displaying here. This is what it is that he is wanting for each and every one of us to realize and to understand that it, it, it is in the presence of God where we are satisfied, where we find the fullness of joy. Only in the presence of God. Later on, the word tells us that the two thieves that were crucified with our Lord there, that the Sabbath was approaching and that they wanted to speed up the process of death. And so they couldn't take him down off the cross before they die. And so the word says that they break their legs in order to speed up the process of death. And so they break the legs of, of the two thieves. But when they came to our Lord Jesus, his, he, he had already given up the ghost. He had already died, laid down his life. He no longer, you know, was cleaving to life or, or you know, <clears throat> hanging on to life as most of us want to. But no, he, he willingly, he gladly laid down his life because he, he wanted to be obedient to the Father. But he also wanted to return to that place from whence he had come. That is the right hand of the Father. He, he longed to get back there. He longed for the intimacy that he had with the Father. And so we see him now knowing that all things were accomplished, willing to lay down his life that the will of the Father is done. And in a spiritual sense, we find that many of us have been called by God into, into various ministries, many and various areas of ministry where it is that he wants to use us, but we, we drag our feet. We keep putting it off. We don't want to, to, to do what it is that God is requiring of us. And so sometimes, you know, our legs have to be broken in order for us to die to self, that the will of the Father is done, but not so with our Lord. He knew that in order to redeem humanity, 
in order to build that bridge between man and God, he had to die. He had to die. And so, but he also realized that in dying, that it brought him back to the place from which he had left. That is the right hand of the father, being at the father's side. And so he thirsts for that. It was a spiritual thirst that he was declaring here. Yes, we find that the people didn't understand, the soldiers didn't understand. They, they ran with the, the, the vinegar and, you know, they, they put it on the sponge and gave it to him. But when he tasted it, the word says he, would, he refused to drink it. And what it is that uh, vinegar does, it, it dries up, you know, the, the liquids in our bodies. And, and so we find that this was a way also of, of speeding up the process of death. They are on the cross. The vinegar, it, it, it dries up the liquids within the body, and so one gives in to death far more quickly by drinking that vinegar. But our Lord, of his own free will, knew that this is what it is that the Father required. The only means of salvation and redemption for humanity was for him to die. And so he willingly, he gladly laid down his life. He had a thirst for God, for God's will, and he knew that this, this was the only means of satisfying that thirst. And so he gave of himself. He laid down his life there so that you and I, we may have an opportunity whereby we are able to return unto God, to live unto God, to be all that he is wanting for us to be. The psalmist tells us there in Psalm 42 and verse 2, My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? It is a spiritual thirst that our Lord had here. And so he, he longed, he longed to be with the, in the presence of the Father. The psalmist says, my tears have been my meat day and night while they continually say unto me, where is thy God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me for I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with a voice of joy and praise with a multitude that kept holy day. And so our Lord is saying that yes, you know, he led those, he led those who, who, who went up to the, the, the house of God. He went with them, and yet he could not find that which he was longing for. He, he couldn't find the satisfaction that he, he wanted being in, in the midst 
uh, of the worshiping community. It, it was all from their lips and not from their hearts. This is what it is that he, he recognized. And, and so he felt, you know, even in the midst of, of God's people, he felt a distance from God's presence being amongst uh, the people there in, uh, in the temple. And so all of this caused him to long for that intimacy that he once knew, once had with the Father. And so now he is finally, he has finally accomplished all that God required of him, all that God wanted of him, all that was needed and necessary for salvation and for redemption of humanity. And so he thirsted. He thirsted for God. He thirsted to get back to that place. You know, and physically speaking, you know, there, there is nothing like, like a, a thirst when it is that you, you cannot find that drink that you need. You know, it, it, it doesn't matter, you know, where it is that it will come from, but you just want that drink. You know, and I remember a story that someone was telling me as to how it is that, you know, they, they were walking. And, and, and this was a long journey, and they, they didn't have any water. And they came to a place of fresh water. And um, they, 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 they were so thirsty. They needed a drink. But someone had passed their feces in the water. But he said that all he could do was to just brush it aside and to satisfy that, that thirst that he had within him, that physical thirst. And this is how desperate thirst can make you. That, you know, if you see water, you know, it, it, it doesn't matter how, how it is. It may be muddy, it may be mucky, or as the person said that, you know, the feces were there, but he had to brush it aside and he just had to satisfy that longing. And this is the, the our Lord had a longing, physical, but more so spiritual. He had a spiritual thirst within him that he knew only the Father could satisfy that thirst within him. And now that he had accomplished all, all that was needed and necessary for his mission here on earth, he was longing, thirsting for God, for his presence. To be, to be by his side once again. So that he may dwell 
in the presence of the Father. Have you had that longing? You know, you, you don't have to die in order to, to be in the Father's presence. Right now, right where you are, this is the reason why it is that our Lord laid down his life so that the Holy Spirit, he, he, he's reminded us in the word that he, we will send, excuse me, the comforter, the Holy Spirit, and he will guide us into all the truth of God. And so now we find that you and I, we can get in the very presence of God and enjoy the blessings that he promises to each and every one who would put their faith and trust in him. He loves you. Yes, salvation is free, but it, it, it comes at a very high price. The price of the, of the life of the only begotten Son of God. He laid it down in order that we might be redeemed from the curse of sin. And today, as we celebrate his death, this Passover, let us remember what it is that God truly did on that first Passover there or, or crucifixion day when it is that our Lord laid down his life for you and for me, that we should come unto him, we should live unto him, we should be all that he is wanting for us to be. Every day that his grace is extended to us, he wants us to bask in the presence of our Father God, knowing that we have a right because of, of what it is that he, Jesus, has done. We have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are and yet without sin. Let us Therefore, come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Yes, this is what the writer of Hebrews tells us, that because of what it is that Jesus has done, because he was worthy enough to return to the, the, the side of the Father. The word says there was no sin, there was no guile found in his mouth. And because he lived a sinless and perfect life, he could return to the, the right hand of the Father. And the word tells us that he makes intercessions for all those who would come unto him. And so this is what it is that he is offering to you and to me today that we may enter into his presence and that we may find fullness of joy that he is offering to all those 
who would put their faith and trust in him. May God continue to bless us all as we seek to lift up his name, telling of his goodness, that others may look unto him before it is eternally too late. Father God, bless your people this day. Lord, that your will is done in all things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. From New Birth Agape Fellowship International here in the Turks and Caicos Islands. And you're listening via 89.1 FM, Radio Turks and Caicos. And even if you're listening via World Wide Web, we greet you in no other name than the name of Jesus. Today, I've been given a task to share with you one of the beautiful words that was spoken on the cross, the cross of Jesus. As we bring him into remembrance on this holy week, let us begin with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we look to you. There is no other God but you. We present ourselves before you unclean, unholy, always seeking you for forgiveness and always in remembrance of who you are and who your son is, that you've sent him to die, to, to purchase us back to you. Father, we thank you for the love that you have given to us. We thank you for the hope we have because of your son, your love that you have given to this world so that we may have life and have it more abundantly. I thank you, O oh God, for those that will be presenting their task on today and those that will be hearing. I pray, God, that there will be a change not only in their hearts, but our hearts alike. I pray, O oh God, that our nations all over the world, and especially here in the Turks and Caicos Islands, that we, O oh God, will look to you, O oh God, who's the author and the finisher of our faith. And we remember this holy week and this day in particular. Let us, O oh God, continue, O oh God, to remember the love and the cross that your Son had bared for us. In his holy name, Yahshua, who we call Jesus the Christ. Out of the 
King James Version, John chapter 19, verse 29 and 30. And it reads, Now there was a set, a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon hyssop and put it to his mouth. Verse number 30. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said these words, It is finished. And then he bowed his head and he gave up the ghost. Jesus was saying that he had completed his work on this earth. Mm. And he had known that his debt was to bring change to our lives, to the lives of you and I. He knew that he had to give up his life. It was the ultimate sacrifice for those who will one day look and see and hear not only the beginning of his life, but more so the importance of his death, the importance of the end of his life. Jesus, he said, it is finished. Hallelujah, hallelujah. He was saying to his father, Father, I have completed the assignment. He was saying to his father, in spite of the pain, hallelujah, in spite of the rejection, in spite of the lies, the stabbing me on my side, the thorns that were placed on my head, that the blood drained down and dripped, hallelujah, the whippings and the beatings. He was saying in spite of being spat on, being laughed at, being talked about. He was saying, God, I've done some good work, Father. I've healed many from diseases and delivered many from demons. But yet, there were many cities that raced me out ah, of their lands. He was saying, it is finished. He was saying that, I know I have to die. I have to complete the task for humanity to be free. He was saying I have to pay the price that nobody else is willing to pay. He was saying that now you and I, hallelujah, glory be to God. You and I can receive the goodness of God and the, the way to God because he finished his work. Hallelujah. He was saying, Father, I've kept my assignment. <laughs> he was saying, I kept it and I understand that the, the finality would have been giving hope and life to a people that don't know me. But it would give some hope, hallelujah, to a generation to come. Generations, hallelujah, would not only know of my, my birth, but they would know of my death. 
They would know what I had to say. They would know how I stood on the cross and how I, hallelujah, was able to say to, to this world, it is finished. Hallelujah. No doubt, we know the story of our Lord. We know the story of Jesus. We know, hallelujah, glory, all that he has been through. We know, hallelujah, how he has been denied by his very own. Ah. We know, hallelujah, of those. We know of him being sold out, hallelujah. We know. Could you imagine going through all of that and still completing the assignment? The assignment that one day, hallelujah, hallelujah, Cindy would give her life to Christ and be able to share with many that, hallelujah, glory be to God, somebody finished, glory be to God, Jesus he finished the task for me to live and for me to be free. He said, Father, it is finished. I've done what you have asked of me to do. I've done what it was written, the revelation that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah. Hallelujah. I've done it. In Isaiah 35, 3 to 5, he said, I've done the task so that, hallelujah, the weak hands could be strengthened. It reads thus, strengthen ye the weak hands and confirm the feeble knees. I've, I've done, I've finished the work so that the hands of many can be strengthened, hallelujah, to do the work and the feeble knees, hallelujah. So it goes to the old and to the young because he said, I call the young because you're strong and the old because you're, hallelujah, wise. And so if you need strength today, hear what Jesus had to say. He said, it's finished. Glory be to God. It is finished. You're, you can you can speak to your feeble knees and say, Arise, because my Lord and my Savior have finished it. In verse number four, he says to them that are fearful. Oh, my God. Your heart is fearful, he says. I've done the work. Speak to your heart and tell your heart to be strong and fear not. Glory be to God. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. He says, I've done the work so that you, hallelujah, can know that, that God will come with vengeance on your behalf. He said, I've finished the task. There's some of you out there will be listening today and you will be, hallelujah, hearing everything that we have to share from our hearts with you today. And today I share with you that the work of God is finished. He concluded to say, hallelujah, in Isaiah 35 and verse 4, he says, God will come with vengeance, even God with a recompense. God is going to come with a recompense because he have already sent his beloved, his begotten son to finish whatever it is for us to continue in God. He said, he will come to save you. Ha, ah, Jesus. He said that in Isaiah, glory be to God, chapter 35 and verse 4, the latter verse says, and God, hallelujah, he will come and save you. Verse 5, it says, then the eyes of the blind shall open. Are you blind today? 
Are you spiritually blind? Glory be to God. Are you in a state of confusion? Are you in a state, all you need to do is stop? Are you being battled with, with things on the east and things on the west? And are you, are you being attacked? Glory be to God. Jesus said to you today that I finished the work. Hallelujah. I finished my task so you can be free and your eyes that are blind can be open. Are you deaf today? Are you physically deaf? Hallelujah. Glory. Are you spiritually deaf today? Jesus wants you to know that he finished the task so you will be able to hear. He says, greater works shall we do. Hallelujah. He says, greater works shall we do than he did. So he's finished his work so that you and I could continue the work of God. In Isaiah chapter 53, verses 5, Jesus said, he, he was despised in verse number three, and he was rejected. It says he was a man of sorrows. Hallelujah. Glory. He says, I know sorrow. Hallelujah. He says, I know how it is, hallelujah, to be walked upon. I know how it is for people to choose, hallelujah, a murderer over him. Hallelujah. They said, give me Barabbas. He says, I am, I know I'm a man full of sorrow. Are you a man or a woman today? Full of sorrow. He says, and in verse, in the same verse, he says, and I am acquainted with grief. No doubt there was a lot of things that has happened over time, but Jesus is saying, I got you. I know where you're at. And not only I know where you're at, I have completed my task so you can be free. In the same verse, he says, and we hid as it was our faces from him. He was despised, as the verse continues, and we esteemed him not. Verse number four in Isaiah chapter 53, it says, surely he have bored our grief and carried our sorrows. Yet we did not esteem him, stricken, smitten of God, and he was afflicted. Verse 5, it says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. There's a reason why he continued on the road and he was punished. It was for you and I today. And I'm so glad today that he has finished. Hallelujah. He's finished. He was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was laid upon Jesus. He says, and by every stripe, we are healed. He finished the course so you and I can find healing. Healing of Broken hearts, healing of disappointment, healing from physical stars, healing in our minds, healing in our bodies, healing, hallelujah, wherever you are, declare, because Jesus, the, the sickness got to go, hallelujah, the scars got to go, glory be to, because Jesus finished the work 
on Calvary's cross for us to be healed. In the verse, verse 5, he was bruised for our iniquities. What does it mean to be bruised for iniquities? Iniquities are our immoralities. Or it's considered the word iniquity is said to be grossly unfair behavior. Oh, he says, I was bruised for humanity's grossly unfair behavior. Iniquity is also is considered sin and wickedness. I was bruised for your sins. Ah, I was bruised for your wickedness, for your evil. Hallelujah. Are there some evils that has happened to us or evils that we have done? Jesus says, I was bruised for your iniquities. I was bruised for these evils so that you don't have to carry the evils because I've already finished. Hallelujah. It says, and the chastisement of our peace. What is chastisement? He says, for the punish, the, the severe punishment. That's the whipping. That's the harsh criticism. Hallelujah. Glory. He says, the chastisement of our peace was upon him. I don't know about you, but I'm so glad that he finished. I'm so glad that he finished. Hallelujah. Glory. He took all of my chastisements, all of the criticisms, all of the evils, and he took it on the cross. Oh, glory. Uh, he took it on the cross to say to his father, I'm wearing Cindy's evils. I'm wearing Paul's evils. I, I'm, I'm taking it to the cross so that they don't have to carry it to the cross for themselves. I'm taking it for Sue, and I'm taking it from Peter, and I'm taking it for Tanya, and I'm taking it for whomever. I'm taking it. Amen. I'm taking it to the cross. Amen. He says, after all that, was put on him. He said, Father, for those people you have created and you love. He said, no matter what they did, sometimes we find it so hard to forgive others for what they have done and with knowledge, knowing that Jesus took it to the cross so that it would be finished on our behalf and on theirs. He says, I'm sealing their fate so they can have access to you. I'm sealing their fate, hallelujah, so they can have your blessings. I'm sealing their fate so when they call upon my name, they can say, Jesus finished the work that no one, no one on earth could have finished for me. He says, they they can have faith now in you, no matter what they are going through, because I've finished it for them. 
It's such a joy to know that God is not like us. He's not like humanity. He had enough strength to finish for someone else, to bear the pain and to bear the blunt of their accusations, to bear the blunt of their punishments. No matter what the chastisements is, they can go and they can finish their race. He says, I finished my race so you can finish your race. Because the race is not given to the swift nor to the strong, but to those that would endure to the end. He said, I endured to the end. I finished. So now you can endure to the end. You can finish. You would have had, hallelujah, a master. Glory be to God. You would have had someone that you can emulate. Hallelujah. I didn't leave you without any knowledge. I didn't leave you without understanding that if I can do it, you can too. And and Jesus is not asking us to finish the way he is finished, but he's asking us because he's already paid the price. He's already went to the cross. He has already died for you and I. He says that I've done all of this so that you wouldn't have to do it. Glory. Hallelujah. That you wouldn't have to do it. I've completed my assignment. My debt was for you to have life. My completion, my finishing of my task is for you to have life. By me finishing, Jesus says, their lives can be transformed. Hallelujah. I died so they can live in hope and in wholeness. That is his mission that you and I can have a hope and an expected end because of his completion and wholeness. That we can have wholeness. That we can run this race with patience. That we can run and not get weary because we've realized that our master did not get weary. We realize that our brother and savior and Lord did not get weary. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I don't know if you're weary out there today, but Jesus, hallelujah, wants you to know that you can get strength. Ha, glory be to God. You can pull on that strength he talked about in Isaiah, what Isaiah talked about in Isaiah 35. You can get strength in knowing that he's already done the work. So that the greater work that we are tasked with on this earth to share the gospel, to pick up our brothers and sisters, to pray for one another, to, to encourage one another, that if you fall down, get back up again. Get back up again. You're not a castaway. Glory be to God. Jesus already knew. The Lord already knew. Hallelujah. You would have fall. Hallelujah. Get back up again and continue the walk with him so that you too can finish hallelujah 
I'm so glad today that today I'm able to encourage you today and to share with you today, hallelujah, the gospel of Jesus, uh, the, the death of the cross today, that I'm privileged, hallelujah, I count it a privilege today to sit and say, it is finished. You too can say, it is finished. You too can declare your sins forgiven. You too, hallelujah, can open your heart and receive the master and to know that Jesus, by hallelujah, by the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord before the Father. Therefore, you too, hallelujah, can say it is finished. So today I'm glad Today, ah, Jesus, to take this time, not only to share, but to express his words, his words that he said while he was alive, hallelujah, hanging on to go to the Father, to remember that we are overcomers, and to be reminded that our assignment will not be easy. It was not easy for him. But he did it. He finished his course under great pressure. Ah, Jesus, glory, hallelujah. He finished his course, hallelujah. Glory be to God, being torn. Ah, Jesus. Whew. And he did it. Not because he had to, but because he chose to do it. For you and I, ah, glory be to God. Today, you may feel like the assignment is too hard. There are times I feel like the assignment is hard, but you can finish the work. You can finish the task. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Jesus, the Son of God, wants you to know today that yes, you can. He's completed the work for you to finish yours. Draw from the well of hope in Jesus. Say, hey, Jesus. Draw from the well of faith. Glory in Jesus. Hallelujah. Draw from the well. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Of knowledge of what he would have already done for you. Give him thanks. I give him thanks today for completing and finishing the task, not only for me, hallelujah, but for my children and my children's children and, my, and their generations after them. What great hope. What great hope I have. Hallelujah. Today, you can draw from the master's table. Today, you can draw from the cross. Today, you can draw from knowing that if he could have bared the cross and completed, he's 
completed it, that his strength will be our strength. And his strength will be made perfect in our weaknesses. It is finished. Whatever you're going through today, know that it is finished. Let us pray. Eternal wise God, the God of all creation, Father, we thank you for the air that we breathe. We thank you for giving us ears to hear and eyes to see. We thank you, God, for whatever circumstances we are find, we find ourselves in today, we can say you've already won the battle for us on the cross. Today, I pray for the loved ones. I pray for friends and loved ones and persons that would be listening. I pray for all of those, oh God, that they would know, oh God, that they don't have to give up. They would know, oh God, that there is, hallelujah, an existing self-sufficient God. His name, hallelujah, glory be to God, is Yahweh. And his son is Yahshua. And his son had done something that no man could have done. And so today, God, I pray that they would lay their hands and claim healing, glory in his name. And they would know that you have already done the work. This healing I claim against this sickness because Jesus, I claim healing in my mind. I claim healing on my body. I claim healing in my family. Hallelujah. Healing over this land. Healing, hallelujah, with our leaders. Glory. Because you've already died to set the captive free. And you said, it is finished. Showed us love that this world had never known. 
This is Bishop Edwin Lightman, host pastor of House of Prayer Ministries right here on Long Bay Road, Providentialis, Church and Caicos Islands. Today, I'm going to be talking about one of the seven sayings of Christ, what he said on the cross, and it's found in Luke chapter 23, verses 46, and it says, then Yehoshua called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had thus said, he breathed his last breath. Hallelujah. Yehoshua said from the cross, Father, into your hands. I commit my spirit. Hallelujah. Of note is the fact that when Yehoshua said, into your hands I commit my spirit, he was quoting scripture in Psalms 31 verse 5, to be exact. Earlier, Yehoshua had also quoted from Psalms 22 and verse 1 from the cross. Matthew chapter 27 and verse 6. In everything Yehoshua did and said, he fulfilled the will of Yahweh and the word of Yahweh, even in the thrones of death. Our Lord was sensible of his mission and pointed those around him to the fulfillment of prophecy. Psalms 31 is a prayer of David in distress. Hallelujah. 
And as David was in distress, hallelujah, he cried out to Yahweh, hallelujah, in trust to Yahweh in Luke chapter 23. And, and Jesus, Yehoshua, he echoed those words when he was on the cross of the prayer that David said in Psalms 31. Let's read Psalms 31 verses 1 to 5. And it says, In you, Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. Turn your ear to me. Come quickly to my rescue. Be my rock of refuge. A strong fortress to save me. Since you are my rock and my fortress, for the sake of your name, lead and guide me. Keep me from the trap that is set for me. For you are my refuge. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Deliver me, Lord my faithful God. Hallelujah. Here we see that the words of David echoed here in Psalms 31 verses 1 to 5. And Yehoshua the Christ, he echoed those same words because as David needed to put his trust in Yahweh, the same Yehoshua the Christ, he, 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 he followed the footsteps of David. In fact, Christ will sit upon the throne of David one day. Hallelujah. And he echoed those words to the Father. Into thine hands I commit my spirit. Hallelujah. But Jehoshua's words from the cross were not holy didactic. They also expressed the true feelings of his heart. As centuries earlier, David, in his extremity, had cried out to Yahweh. So does Yehoshua feels an acute and pressing need for help. And he turns to the faithful God, Yahweh, the only true source of aid. And in the midst of all his trouble, Yehoshua the Christ his spirit reaches upward for relief with a strong confidence in the one who alone is a worthy refuge. Hallelujah. There have been times in my life where I can look to no other but to Yahweh which is in heaven and poured my heart to him. Hallelujah. And he gives me strength. Like as he give David strength, like as he give Christ strength, hallelujah. Christ became my refuge, my father became my refuge, his word became my refuge. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Christ prays, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Because it is the only, it is only in the Father's hand that our spirits are safe. And in speaking of the security of believers, Yehoshua had taught, my father, 
who has given them to me is greater than, than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. And he quoted these words in John chapter 10, verse 29. We are in habit of securing our most valuable earthly treasures in a safe or a bank vault where we know that no harm will come to them. From the cross, Yehoshua shows us that our most valuable treasures, our spirit, should be committed for safekeeping into the Father's hand. Hallelujah. Glory to Yahweh. The moments we are saved, we commit our spirits into the Father's hands. We trust Him for our salvation. And from then on, life is lived in a day-to-day -day commitment of our spirits into the hands of our Father. Hallelujah. We commit our spirits to Him in our service to him, in our daily decisions, in all of our joys and sorrows. Hallelujah. Everything that we go through, we wake up in the morning and pray, we want to commit our life into the Father's hands. When we go to work, what's going to happen on that day, we want to know that everything has been, has been committed into his hands. Hallelujah. Glory to Yahweh. We want to make sure that we have a good day. And in order for us to have a good day, hallelujah, we want to commit everything into the Father's hands. Hallelujah. Let me tell you something. Hallelujah. You can trust somebody else to do something here. You can trust somebody else to do another thing here for you. You can trust somebody else to do something else. But no one is going to take care of it like your Father in heaven is going to take care of it. Can I get the minute, somebody? Hallelujah. Glory to Yahweh. We commit our spirits into his hands. We commit our daily walk, our joys, and our sorrows into his hand. And when the time of our death comes, we follow Yehoshua's example and say yet again, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Hallelujah. Glory to Yahweh. As Stephen, the first Christian martyr, was being stoned to death, he prayed a modified form of Yehoshua's prayer from the cross. In Acts chapter 7, verse 59, hallelujah. And Acts chapter 7, verse 59 says, And they stoned Stephen calling upon Yahweh and saying, Lord Yehoshua, receive my spirit. Hallelujah. And so we see that Stephen himself committed his spirit into the hands of Yahweh. Glory to Yahweh. Glory to Yahweh. Hallelujah. Through the years, many other Christians have found comfort in Psalms 31. Hallelujah. And at the time of their death, repeated those words that Christ said on the cross, into thine hands I commit my spirit. Hallelujah. I want to encourage you born-again believers, hallelujah, that as you go from day to day, commit everything into the Father's hand. Hallelujah. And on that day that you should die, hallelujah, 
And if you have the opportunity to say those words, commit your spirit, your life into the Father's hand. Glory to Yahweh. Because when you die, you know you're going to be with the Lord. The scripture says you shall forever be with the Lord. Glory to Yahweh. Hallelujah. I will say to those who are not saved, to give your life to Christ, repent of your sins, and accept Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. And then live a life day to day of committing everything into the Father's hands. And the one true treasure of your life, your spirit, that on the day you die, you commit that. Hallelujah. Your spirit, your life. Hallelujah. Into the Father's hand like Christ did on the cross. Hallelujah. 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 I commit my life, my everything, into the Father's hand. Hallelujah. And I know that as my life is in the Father's hand, everything is going to be all right. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. I pray that these words will, will encourage you and build up your faith and then encourage you to stay strong in the Lord and to always commit everything into the Father's hand. Hallelujah. On this blessed crucifixion and resurrection weekend as we celebrate, remember what Christ did on the cross and the reason for it. Hallelujah. Yahweh bless you. This is Bishop Edwin Lightman saying, you don't have any trouble. All you need is faith in Yahweh. Yahweh bless you. Good job for me.